is talking to the man here with his back to you is my dad. This is my mother. She's talking to her sister, my Aunt Janet. Uh, here is my youngest brother, Kirk. He ended up being a missionary in uh, Nicaragua. Here's my brother, Carl. He's an old, uh, old, old order Mennonite, uh, a black bumper, black bumper Mennonite, and lives over by Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, over on the other side of Harrisburg. Uh, this is my brother, Jim. He's a, a um, elder in the Mennonite, no, not Mennonite, elder in the Pentecostal church, charismatic Pentecostal church, and a Bible teacher and a preacher, all right? Uh, this man, married, this man here, with his back to you, married this, my Aunt Janet, and so that's my Uncle Mel, and I'm taught... I'm now taller than him. Okay, so he's the tallest man in the picture here, see? And that's only six foot two. So I'm taller than anybody in that picture right now. So where am I? Well, I'm still a little kid. Behind my Aunt Janet, this person right here, and I've, I've enlarged the picture, and that is me right there. That's me in the picture. And I end up a pastor, all right? 1963, I remember singing the last hymn, praying the last prayer, and locking the door for the last time. And I've said before the Lord, you know, that was unnecessary. It really was, by the way. Actually, another church group bought the building and had church there for years and years and years. All right. So that, that so, but you need to know that that's in me. That's in me, and especially about being a in a believer's church. All right. So what did my family do? Well, we found another church home, actually a little bit closer. Uh, and this is another country believers church, Maple Grove Church of the Brethren. And this is the place where I was baptized. And this is where, this is the, now this part was not uh, there when, this was built after I was baptized. But Karen and I were, were married right, right here is where Karen and I were married. The only thing that, that I see and Karen, maybe you, they did not have a piano. They had a little organ over here. But the rest of it looks today the way it did when we got married in 1975. All right. And so that's, uh, you know, nothing particular fancy. You need to see that. It was not uh, ecclesiastical by any, any stretch. A bunch of farmers and a bunch of uh, small businessmen uh, in that church, all right? Now, in 1965, this is a, uh, 
This is to certify that Sanford J. Christoffel, born February 14, 1950, was baptized by trine immersion in, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit on the 14th day of November 1965, Maple Grove Congregation of the Church of the Brethren, State of Indiana, by, I think that's Reverend Noble Bowman, officiating minister, New Paris, Indiana. Now, guess what? I still have that. And that's really enlarged because here's, here's the real deal. The really big fancy thing you're going to frame and put on the wall, right? Well, hardly. You know how hard it is to keep track of something that small? Well, guess what's on the back? Here's the point. I've said all of that to say this. Printed on the back of this little baptismal certificate. And so here's the front of the certificate. There's the back of the certificate, and that is called the Brethren Card. Here's, by the way, here's the same thing I picked up at annual conference, the Brethren Card. And, and, and you probably have this at home. If you have a church directory, there, here's the front of the directory, here's the back of the directory, and this is and I checked it, identical wording to that brethren card on the back of my little baptismal certificate, 1965. Same words. So the heritage, and the heritage, heritage of this goes back to the 1920s, all right? What we are talking about today is the number three, the observe section, and you can go home and and there's all kinds of scripture references and so forth in this. Notice how this is expressed. Most of this are ordinances, except it's not all ordinances. And so it says instead, observes the following New Testament rites. They can't say ordinances because there's two things on there that are not ordinances. And that is the Christian salutation. What's the Christian salutation? That's like at love feast when we kiss one another, embrace one another. That's a Christian salutation called the holy kiss. And then this, this thing called the proper appearance in worship. That's whether or not you have a black tie or a, some other coat. No, no, no has nothing to do with that, whether or not you, the, this is a, the brethren way of saying, well, the ladies, you know, they, the proper thing is to have a head covering. And, and because there is, there is a scriptural reference. Those two things in this section number three are the only things that are not ordinances. Everything else in that section are ordinances, okay? Very strong key part of who the brethren say they are and who the brethren have tried, tried to be as a people, all right? Let's summarize what's on that, on that section three. 
Believer's baptism. Believer's baptism is a thing that, and I say this to people, if they ever said, well, you know, I'd like to become a member of the church, and I, I would say, well, um, have you, is your membership any, with another church? And, and we pretty much, anybody that claims the name of Christ as their Lord and Savior, as the, as the one who died on the cross for sins, anybody who claims that, if that's where your membership is, we will allow you to come either by transfer of letter or by reaffirmation of faith. And you can become a member here, okay? Basically transferring in to the congregation. Some will say, well, you know, I was baptized as a baby, you know, like Catholics, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. Well, the long list, long list. I, what will the pastor say to that? Now, you know that brethren teach believers baptism. Believe, then be baptized. All right? Have you believed and then been baptized? I had one young man uh, who who was departing from the Catholic Church. By the way, between 2000, the year 2000 and 2014, a full, nearly a full third of the people I baptized were former Catholics. Hmm. I said, well, you don't have, you know, we don't force you to be rebaptized. But I said, right now is a good opportunity. <laughs> I would encourage you to think about it and pray about it and call me up and say, yes, I want to be rebaptized because that's what anabaptism means. We believe in rebaptizing and, and taking it from infant baptism or baby baptism uh, or what they call christening instead of doing that as, as a sacrament to do this in obedience to the scriptures of the word of God. Believe and be baptized. And uh, what a joy. And, and, and the guy, and the, he says, you know, I can't remember when, uh, when I was baptized as a baby. I was too young. But he says, I was baptized today. And he says, I will remember this the rest of my life. <laughs> and I go, Hallelujah. That is, that is believer's baptism, folks. Um, Three-part love feast communion, all right? And uh, let me give some, uh, and we'll go into each one of these. Uh, but to say the brethren over the years, there's been, you know, like at annual conference, time and again, they've had bread and cup communion. Uh, a few times they've done the, the feet washing, but uh, uh, most of the time, it's just the bread and cup, which is, which is down here. So it's not as if the brethren say, oh, you got to keep this as a patch, pack, package deal. It is, they have said, look, if we do bread and cup at some points, like, for example, this congregation celebrates the bread and cup uh, generally on Christmas Eve. All right. And don't do foot washing then. All right. 
if you do it then, well, then some other time of the year that we will do feet washing and we will do a, a sit-down meal together and, and to have a fam. the idea is a family atmosphere, you know, the family of God, okay? Um, another ordinance, which there was probably 40 or 50 years where this, where the brethren almost let, let go of this, dumb, just dumb. How many times have I seen people that we have anointed with oil? I, I would suppose more than 90%, more than, more than 90%. I didn't keep track, so I can't say for sure. My impression is over 90% improved, especially some of the ones that were supposed to die. The Lord, through this one, anointing with oil for heat, healing, it releases faith and people can end up blessed and there can be miracles that these things are not explainable, folks. And, you know, so, you know I am thoroughly convinced on this one, all right? Well, I am with believers' baptism and the and the love feast communion thing, but this one, they almost let it go, and I am happy that that they are. Uh, most brethren pastors are bringing that back. All right, and then a, a final one that would be on that list would be laying on of hands for blessing. Okay, let's quickly look at each one of these. Um, we were there in Matthew. Are you, do you still have that open? Jesus told the apostles to teach everyone all the things he commanded them. And the part I'm pointing to here is teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Okay. Um, I got a bunch of wood woodcuts, um, illustrations that I... And these were done in, in 1850, by the way, just to say that they, they, uh, we are d seeking to do what they did then, and uh, we don't think it's really changing. God still wants us to do the same thing. Believer's baptism, baptizing them. And the brethren have seen that baptism is immersing and uh, the brethren practice is to use this in the name of the Father, that's number one. In the name of the Son, that's number two. In the name of the Holy Spirit, number three. And to immerse each time. And using the old Jewish, uh, what they call mitzvah, where you have uh, ritual purification, where you would kneel and you would go forward in the ritual cleansing. The brethren picked up on that and said, well, let's, since they did it that way, and Jesus would have done that before he went into the temple, let's do it that way. Um, we baptize forward. Way easier, by the way, if you got a, a three or 400 pound man, 
and you're going to baptize him backwards. I've helped do that. You know, it almost takes three guys to, do <laughs> to immerse him backwards and then to bring him up. If he's kneeling, hey, this is way easier. All right, so I think uh, baptizing forward, as the picture shows there. Three-part uh, love feast, washing one another's feet. So what is washing feet? It is, in the scripture, it's juxtaposition to, you know, the, the disciples said, you know, well, you know, don't, you know, Peter, Peter objected, says, I don't want you to wash my feet, Lord, I, you know, uh, and, and, and Jesus said to him, you know, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then P Peter said, well, well, you know, maybe that was a mistake. Um, how about, you know, and just, my head, my hands, you know, the whole thing. And Jesus says, no, you are clean, but not all of you. Sort of alluding to the fact there was Judas there, but what? Baptism, baptism is that start point, and baptism is the immersion. Feet washing is what? The follow-up cleansing. The follow-up cleansing. And so before you do the communion, before you do the family meal together, hey, let's, let's do a baptism type thing with the feet, all right? Um, not pretending anything. A simple meal, and, this, and, and we'll look at each of these uh, separately, bread and cup communion. Three parts. Um, here's what, and let's go to John 13. John 13, if you read that from the, uh, and, and a lot of times we will read the whole section. I'm not going to read the whole section, but just I'll point out uh, some parts of it. John 13, uh, let's go to... Um, Verse 12, John 13, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? By the way, remember in the Great Commission, he says, whatever I commanded you to do, you, you teach the disciples, the new believers, the ones that you are going to all nations, you teach them to do the same thing. Do you know what I have done to you? It says here in chapter 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus says to do it. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who, uh, who is sent greater than uh, he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. By the way, this illustration, this is one, Karen, this is one of 
one of uh, Howard Pyle's illustrations from Harper's Weekly back in about in the 1870s, I, I believe. Um, anyway, he was a, he wrote children's books and so forth. This is his illustration of feet washing, and it's sort of a fascinating uh, picture. Uh, let me say, in the very early days, guess who did all of the feet washing? Whoever was ministers were the ones that washed everybody else's feet. So the minister would go right down a row and wash 30 people's feet, uh, which is sort of what's being demonstrated here. All right. uh, that changed into a, a different mode when, um, when you get to the separation of the, of the different brother denominations in 1882, 83, uh, sort of went different directions on that one. Gives an example, do as he did, all right? A simple meal together. Again, this is Howard Pyle. There's the H-P-Y-L-E, um, Harper. And this, I think, was on the cover of Harper's Weekly back in the Excuse me, I'm losing that little baptismal certificate on the floor. Um, illustrating uh, the heritage of this. All right, I am. I am. I love this this illustration. Th this guy looks like he, you know, he he doesn't have enough hair to have a bad hair day, but it might be a bad beard day. I don't. I don't know. And this guy over here, he looks like he's. Is he really happy to be there? I, I, I tell you what, I just, I, that picture is so cool, the illustration. And, and this, guy, this pile went to brethren meetings to be able to make these illustrations. Um, except for the beards and except for the, the long coattails like here. Well, you know, I think I've been here, you know, with, with brethren. Uh, it, that that speaks, speaks to my heart, all right? Simple meal together. Now, these are, this is sort of woven into some of the passages. Let me, let me uh, just allude to the one here in Jude. Uh, it lists some things in Jude that evildoers are doing in the life of the congregation, it says, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, only serving themselves. And that your love feast should be pure, holy, and, uh, and, and uh, righteous things. And not just people getting in there and sort of messing things up. Well, so that's why, you know, we try to judge our own hearts. Uh, another passage that we look at is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to have you turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. And actually the whole last half of that chapter is about uh, love feast communion. And um, verse... 
20 and 21, I got Mark there. Um, uh, verse 19 talks about there being factions in the church. Uh, you know, there's a problem with that. Verse 20 says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You know, you think it's a love feast. You think it's the Lord's Supper. But, but that's not what's really going on. For in eating, one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to, to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? I sh uh, shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Okay. And then on down to uh, verse, uh, verse 31, it says, For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. In other words, don't rush into it. Don't eat like a bunch of pigs. Don't, don't do this so casual. Now, some people want to go to completely. Well, no, you, you don't want to go there either. Wait for one another. One is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Let's see what's going on and deal with it. Okay? So he, he says this, this thing of eating together, the, the simple meal together, is supposed to have a tender heart toward one another and to keep the simplicity in it. People should not be getting drunk. They shouldn't be gluttons is uh, what's implied there, all right? Bread and cup communion. You're there in, a, in the same uh, passage. Uh, uh, yeah, that, this, uh, this is a mistake in the computer. It's not 12, it's chapter 11. Um, yeah, we're right there. Let me, let me read 23, 24, 25. Uh, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered you. Let me bring up that next slide. He's received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Jesus said, teach them to observe whatever I've commanded you. He commanded the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul passed that on all the way down to us. Uh, delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. Remembrance is a key word there. Of me. If you're not remembering the Lord, you're not doing what he calls you to do. And then verse 25, in the same manner. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance. There's the word again. Key word. Remembrance of me. And uh, historically, everybody except the uh, Unitarians and the Quakers do at least bread and cup, what this is talking about. So, and I'm delighted to see that in all the different uh, denominations, whether as a sacrament or as an ordinance. Anointing with oil for healing. Um, do you know about James? I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, let's go back there, just a few verses. James, the last chapter, the last half of chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 13, is about uh, calling for the elders. Uh, verse uh, 14 says, Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save Zozo is a, the a Greek there, which means to, which also not only save but means to heal the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to one to another. So, anoint with oil. So, just a testimony. Here's this lady. She's going to have heart catheterization to find out what's wrong with her heart. Her name is Esther Greer and she's in her 80s. <laughs> we will probably, and the doctor told her, we will probably have to do open heart surgery. That's what they told her. So she goes, well, you know what? Down at church, they told me if I remember in a position where I think I need God's help for healing that uh, I should call for anointing. She called me up and says, I want you guys to come down here and anoint me. And I said, okay, we will be down there. And I said, you need to believe. Oh, yeah, pastor, I know. Yeah, I need to believe. <laughs> so we got down there, and uh, her family was all there with her, I did, you know, which was great. I'm glad they were there because they were... They were not believing her family, but there they are. By the way, all of them, this is telling you the end of the story before we get there. All of them died as her daughters and her son and, and, and uh, whoever was there. They all died before she did. <laughs> she just died a couple years ago. I don't know, past 100, you know. And, and I do not remember, listen, the ordinance of anointing with oil is not intended to make you, oh, just feel so wonderful and so, oh, no, no, no. We do it in faith in the name of the Lord. And I didn't remember, the, oh, no, that really took and she's really going to get healed or, you know, somehow the, 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 uh, there was, that there was an outpouring of whatever uh, on her situation. I, I did not feel that at all. 
we anointed her with oil. We all gathered around, put our hands on her. Everybody prayed, even some of the family members, to my delight, they prayed. And we left. And she went to the doctor, and they did, you know, one of those squiggly line things of her heart. What do they call that? EKG or something. And <laughs> I would have loved to have been there. Doctors, you know, high fluting doctors, come into our room and said, um, uh, "We're sorry, but I, we we think we got the wrong, you know, we we got the wrong person." Or you know, she said, "She said they were really flustered, Pastor Sandy. They were really flustered, like I was the wrong person." <laughs> and they go, "You know, from the 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 new EKG, there's there's nothing wrong with your heart." I mean, sent her home. <laughs> and I never heard about this until like more than 25 years later, I finally hear about it. Actually, actually after she died, they had written up something about her testimony. And this was part of her testimony. When Pastor Sandy and those people came and prayed for me, the Lord healed me. Wow, I was there and didn't even know it. <laughs> hey, praise God for the ordinances, including the one of anointing with oil for healing. And, I, and all I can, I don't know about that. All I can say, it was a miracle. And if you want to argue whether or not it was a miracle, well, you go ahead and argue. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> okay. Um, Oh, there, okay. Uh, that's James. Okay, there's the other one. From Mark. Uh, J and this is from a priest verse. Jesus sent out the disciples and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's the apostles. Jesus sent the, the disciples out and they anointed with oil. So there they are. And that's Mark 6 verse 13. I think we're about done here. Do not, oh, oh, laying on of hands, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. That's from 1 Timothy, if you want to look that up sometime. Um, this is, you know what, maybe I need to point it. Yeah. Duh. Here's when we do laying on of hands at a baptism. So you ask the person the question, you immerse them, and then you what? You lay your hands on them and pray for them. Uh, at an ordination, when I was ordained, when I have been there, for when others were ordained, what did they do? They gathered around us, prayed for us. Noble Bowman was there, the one that did my baptism, the one that was involved in Karen and my wedding, he was there when I was ordained. Um, sending forth in ministry, hey, when you send missionaries over there and they don't know what they're getting themselves into, you better do a laying on of hands. All right. Uh, child dedication. Now we just don't have a prayer. We have a laying on of hands. 
um, add an anointing. So we, we, we read the scripture, we anoint with oil, and then what? We lay on hands for the person and we pray. Uh, at a wedding, I tell the bride and groom, now, when I go like this, don't, don't back up. <laughs> the first time they didn't know what I was doing. I'm saying, I'm laying on my hands to give a blessing. All right? Uh, it's a good thing to do at a wedding. At an invitation for prayer at the end of a worship service. I remember a number of times having people lay their hands on me and praying for me uh, as I came forward during the invitation. All right. Lifestyle questions. Do you realize that the ordinances are intended to bring blessing to you, not just your family, but to you? Which are you doing? Avoiding the ordinances or relying on them? Hey, my family already knows if you're going to stick me in a hospital and do surgery on me, hey, get somebody in there, anoint me with oil and pray for me with laying on of hands. They already got that instruction. If you haven't told your family, do that. Don't avoid it. Rely on it. All right. Uh, do you plan to attend the next love feast communion or will you avoid it? I have been fascinated as a pastor to all, so years and years and years I was pastor at Coventry Church of the Brethren which was a congregation uh, about 200 and some uh, a bunch of them died and then we built it back up to almost 200 um, church board chair and key leaders Avoid love feast. And I go, you guys, what's going on here? That's, so that's why I stick that in there. That was, that was for the folks at Coventry, just to let you know. But, you know, it might, it might cover the bases for you, all right? In what era of your life could the use of the ordinances be a fresh expression of faith? You know, if you... If you know you are dealing with health things and you have never been anointed, pray it through. Don't, no, don't just do it impulse. Say, Lord, is this something you want me to do? And express your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and for the opportunity to be here and to be exposed to your word Men and women of old, hundreds of years ago, saw this stuff and said, we need to do it. And they did it. And Lord, they're still inspiring us today. May we be inspired by your word. Father, help us to know and understand these ordinances, things that Jesus ordained. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name.